Sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm gonna be on the show. I'm gonna be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, so now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh my god. The moral is you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Cause I'm about to put on a show. Welcome to Good Pop, Bad Pop, your plant-based laxative for your media cheese indulgence the night before. What? Sounded better. Night cheese. Anyway. You're with M&T to begin this week. Excelsior! Hey. Yeah. So, uh, if you're unaware of what that is, that is the catchphrase of uh, Stan Lee, inventor of the Marvel comic universe, who um, passed away this week, which is very sad news. Only a matter of time, of course. He was a old chap, but um, invested to the end. I like that. It's a life he never truly retired from. Very admirable. Any uh, input there, T? No. No. Okay, so uh, T had a bit of a big night. <laughs> Last night. Yeah. Yes, he is a little seedy, a little quiet today. So uh, this evening's broadcast will be led by yours truly, M. While T. The dog ate my dog ate my notes. I've I've got no insight. I don't even know what we're talking about today. You have no notes. Yeah, that's what I mean. At a (laughs) at a staff Christmas party, and um, I got head I got head butted. Yeah. By one of my colleagues at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Well, that's always a good time. Yeah. Hmm. She was well drunk. <laughs> anyway, so you'll be persevering mostly with me today, uh, dear friends. You got it, Em. I got this. I got this. And what a week to come in on. So uh, this week we will be giving our review, well, mostly I'll be giving my review while T goes in the background, of um, the latest installment uh. of the <laughs> Fantastic Beast franchise, Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, and I will also be reviewing seasons one and two of The Sinner, which I caught this week. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Input from T is strong. <laughs> um, but yes, to begin, um, yeah, very sad news this week of, of Stanley passing away. Just to have a bit of a little reflection on the Stanley impact on, on this little M's life. Uh, I, I started my... Marvel Affinity as a kid, watching uh, X-Men and Spider-Man were... Oh, and Batman were my favourite cartoons. Not Batman. No, that was Batman. Batman's not um, Stanley. Oh my god, you're right. Oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's a... I just... I got stuck on the, you know, like, morning cartoon comic-themed... Well, we're going to have to take away your nerd card. Yeah, sorry. You've only got two left. Yeah, my bad. No, I wasn't thinking. It was what... Because you know how they they played them all on either Agarou's Cartoon Connection or... What was the other one? Uh, Cheese TV. Cheese TV, yeah. Uh, So, because I was split across those, it's always, you know, the comic cartoons in the morning. But yeah, original point, X-Men and Spider-Man were my favorites. Supplementary point, how good was Cheese TV? Like, when I watched Cheese TV, those host kids, they were a few years older than me when I watched it, and they were like these cool older kids. Wasn't see... it just like career goals right there? Just like, how do I get this yeah. job? <laughs> but then you see photos. Hey, remember Cheese TV? And the kids are like eight or something. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> they weren't older, cool people than me at all. They weren't eight. They were like 17. Well, I was 
12. <laughs> they seemed <laughs> impressive. They cut an impressive jib. That is true. That is a good point. Uh, what were your favorite? Uh, did you watch Marvel Comics as uh, Marvel Comic cartoons as a kid? Um, did you have any favorites? I watched X Men, but I wouldn't have called it one of my favorites. That was probably mm. the one I watched the most because you know. The... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and I do remember having my favorite characters were Cyclops and Gambit. Really. And I always thought they got a rough deal in the movies because um, Cyclops was a um, crybaby. Bit of a dweeb, yeah. Yeah, just a punching bag That's for, true. you know, all-round badass Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Oh. Yeah, and um, Gambit. I think, did Gambit make appearances later? Flicked cards that exploded. It's a bit of a weird superpower in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> this was Good before points. we Good points. thought a lot about these. But um, yeah. I wasn't a big comic books guy. I watched a few of the cartoons. So I'm a... Like, I've always been a nerd, but my childhood nerddom was um, science fiction. Star yeah. Wars, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I didn't really come into Stan Lee. Like, I knew who Stan Lee was, obviously. Mm. Until um, much later of the superhero renaissance kicked right. off for me with the Spider-Man trilogy. And Did then... you watch the X-Men movies before that? Yeah, but they Nothing weren't... Going? I wasn't into X-Men movies until Days of Future Past. Oh, that was the good one. Wait. Oh, no, I I don't think so. Wait, is that the one I'm talking about? Yeah, Days of Future Past. I only liked... Really, I only liked the where, first one. Where um, <laughs> uh, Wolverine time travels. Yeah, no. Nah. And they did an alternate reality thing and they fused the old and new... Yeah, I did not like that. You didn't like that one? No. That was a masterstroke of script design. I mean, they had two... They had two sets of actors... Mm. And they found a way to. Okay, yeah, that part was pretty cool. Admittedly. Yeah, All right, yeah. And they had a cool dystopian future thing. Yeah. Plus, that one was the one where they really hammered home the um, prejudice themes yeah. they always go with. It was very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And it had to recover yeah. after first class was weird to me, and X Men what three the bad one? Anyway, yeah, three was bad. Very bad. I liked one, and I think I I liked Dish too. Yeah. Three was, I was like, oh no. But. Which is why What's the Name died. Uh, Jean Grey. Jean Grey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was uh, that three? That was three. And, um, was yes. Was it three? Yeah. And Cyclops died and he didn't even get a death. It was just sort of an yeah, off screen implied death and not one felt particularly satisfied with that. Um, yeah. I liked I, one and two though. They were big ones. Yeah. But the big one for me was the start of the MCU. So Iron Man mm. in 08. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I quite liked Iron Man. Didn't think much of it. And then there were sequels and then it sort of expanded. And by the time Avengers 1 rolled around, yeah, like some of the movies were good, some were okay. But by the time Avengers rolled around, I'm like, this is the best thing mm. ever. I was a bigger mm-hmm. Avengers fan. And I mean, just the guy's legacy in the last three weeks we've reviewed Daredevil, Venom. Like, yeah. Uh, did we do Ant Man and Wasp? I don't know that we did. Okay, might have been before we started this podcast. Yeah. Pre PC. Like, pre podcast. Isn't that just PB? Yeah, I can't. Spelling's hard. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, without being a huge Marvel nerd, I just am super into half his stuff, and it's mm. amazing. And I just wanted to share my favorite Stanley cameo. Ooh, yeah. For me, was a weird one. Mallrats. Oh yeah. Now, having grown up a nerd in the era of the '90s, where the nerd was not, mm. 
you know, we yeah, had. was still not cool when <laughs> I got picked on for having like 101 Dalmatians stationery. I mean, yeah, I got nerdy. So here's <laughs> my arbitrary bullying story. Ooh, yeah, where uh, what happened? So I was playing handball with some mates, and I knocked yeah. a ball into like over a fence into this out of the way place. And I went, I'll get it, and I had to cross a. Yeah, like a barrier you weren't meant to cross because the Ooh. garden was all churned up. Anyway, I get the ball, come back, and I'm fronted by, a, like, a bully. Big, tall guy, muscular. Well, muscular for a 10-year-old. <laughs> and they do the thing where they're flanked by the lackeys. Like, he's got a guy either side of him, like, oh, backing yeah. him up. And it was like, I turned around, and I'm confronted by these guys. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, you think you can just break the rules? You know, you think because you like Star Wars. And I was like... I, I'm not seeing the connections. Like, this guy's just walked up and just picked something arbitrary and been like, yeah, this is because you like Star Wars. What's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I, I don't have a rebuttal. <laughs> I could just punch him in the face, but he'd probably beat me up or something. I, yeah. You know, I didn't, well, I didn't get into too many fights. But it was just such a surreal, cliche level of bullying. And I'm like... What a uh, Malfoy situation. Yeah, I'm like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> not a Weasley. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and anyway, that always stuck with me. Like, it was pretty mild on the bullying scale, but it was just such arbitrariness. What a weird thing to say. So, as a result, yeah. I really worshipped Jason Lee's character in Morats Because mm. he was a super comic book nerd. Yeah. You know, he played video games all day. He, um... Living the dream. Obsessed with the comic book store. Gets all excited mm. about Stan Lee. He was also nailing Shannon Doherty. Had a really sharp tongue and was like shredding everyone and punched Ben Affleck in the ribs. <laughs> it was just nerd goals. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, he was a real narcissist and a total dick, but mm. I loved it. And, you know, he was having girl problems and Stanley gave him advice on his lady problems. <laughs> I don't even remember that. You don't remember that scene? No. Uh, it's been know. a long time since I've seen Morats. That was not one of my favorites of theirs. You didn't like Morats, okay. No, I do need to watch it again, but uh, no, it was not. It doesn't age super well. Ain't no chasing Amy. I need to watch that one again, too, because that one was a bit weird to me. But um, yeah, just that scene always resonated with me, and I was Mm. just a big Jason Lee fan back then, so. Mm. What's this character called? Brody? Yeah, I don't remember. I need to watch um, Kevin Smith again. But yeah. So that's my favorite Stan Lee moment. Um, mm. In terms of his favorite works, I'm I'm speaking exclusively from MCU, which is all my favorite stuff. So mm. the modern Thor reimagining. I don't know how much credit you can give Stan Lee for that, but he has all the pieces in place for people to tell yeah. stories with his characters. And I loved Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> Ragnarok was good. I wasn't as big on the first two Thors. No, as they others. were very so I was like, weird. Hey. I'm more of a... I liked Guardians. I liked Ant-Man. Um, I think they're my favourites. What else did I say that I loved? Uh-huh. Oh, I can't even remember. I've done my research. Um, and his whole thing, like... Deadpool, um, obviously. Is yeah. Big one for me. How he puts, you know, superheroes into real adult situations with mm. dealing with real-life problems, and that mm-hmm. was kind of his trademark, and how he reimagined the superhero industry, you know, gave them real world mm. problems that, and that I really resonate with. So I quite like the Netflix Avengers series, particularly Daredevil, because he's, you know. It's in real world. Yeah, yeah. and he's got real issues. He's got a Down day job. Kitchen, he's yeah. balancing kitchen, yeah. stuff. So anyway, and he's the, you know, I love a good character arc. I love character development. And he kind of invented that in the industry. Mm. So... 
big fan. Stan Lee, your legacy is ugh, insurmountable in terms Isn't of pop culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's insane how much he's given us, particularly in the last um, you know, one or two decades in mainstream culture. I always wished as a kid that I got more into comics. I always wanted to be more into comics, but I didn't really know where to get them from. Uh, and this was, you know, pre-internet for our generation. And I think the nearest comic shop was like what Newtown or something, which is considerably far from where uh, I lived at the time. So I, I couldn't really get into it as much as I would have liked uh, had I given the opportunity. You know, a comic I did have as a kid, which is really embarrassing. What? <laughs> The only, <laughs> the only comic that I had uh, was the Lion King comic. Oh, nice. If anyone else out there ever had any issues of these, please tweet us. Because I don't know, anyone, everyone else is like, where the hell did the Lion King comic come from? Well, there used to be like a Disney magazine. Oh, I used to get that too. Yeah. But that's I, unrelated. Right. Oh, I assume they were involved. Who can be sure? All right. Uh, what I did learn from the Lion King comic, because it was a comic and also activity book at all in one. It was like half comic, half um, activity book. And I learned how to make a frog in a pond dessert oh, yeah? from that. Yeah. Fun like... tips from the Lion King comic <laughs> books. The only ones I had was I had a few Simpsons comics. Uh, and I, think uh, one or two I had one of the Radioactive Man comics, which oh, was kind of a cool spin off thing. Because nice. they made a real Radioactive Man and Fallout Boy. Did you get that from a news agent? Yeah. Did you like sub, um, get a subscription to those? No. Oh, I got a subscription um, to like And Ren and Stimpy Choose Your Own Adventure comics. Oh, I a, didn't know that. I would have loved, I was a big Ren and Stimpy kid. I would have loved that. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Damn. Anyway, that's an uh, offshoot of our comic interests as kids. Uh, but yeah, had I had my life over, I would have lived a much nerdier life having uh, known what I know now. Um, watch out for them bullies and their lackeys. Well, I got picked on anyway, like I said, for 101 Dimensions pencil case. Like, oh shit. Kids are arbitrary and relatively mean. I know, like, <laughs> God forbid I had a matching stationery set. How like, dare I? If I ever have kids, it's going to be like, tell me about your day at school and like, I got bullied or I bullied someone or something and then I'm not, you know, I'm going to ignore the impending parent issues regarding that and be like, so what? What was wrong with this thing? Why did you target this person? Or what were you doing to get targeted? Like, it's so... Everything's so arbitrary, it fascinates me. Hmm. Like, look at that guy. He's a little bit different. He's wearing a coloured sock or something. Let's get him. <laughs> it's... Hey, I lived this life. I was the only kid at school with red hair. It's not a good time. <laughs> right. And it's so arbitrary. Like, oh, red hair. Let's make assumptions about their character and <laughs> make yeah. social decisions based on it. Like... Damn it, Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be such a dick to M. Yeah. I assume there was a Peggy in your year. No. All right. No. Um, in terms of names, I could have guessed that wasn't a good one. <laughs> one of my bully's names was Dean. He was a dickhead. Dean the dickhead. Fuck you, Dean, if you're listening. Yeah. Fuck you. Piece of shit. Bet you're in jail. Hope you're in jail. Anyway. <laughs> bully redemption with TNM. calls out the... <laughs> bullies on i wouldn't do that i'm probably friends with half of them on facebook hawks <laughs> not that they'd listen but anyway moving on moving on uh do tell us your your favorite stanley moments what's impacted your life tweet us at good pop underscore bad pop on the twitter sphere moving on from that um what's the news what's good what's good, what's good um i found the selfie camera in red dead yeah Oh yeah, you posted a few of those. Yeah, so that's um, 
taken up a significant amount of time. <laughs> Have you started the game yet? Uh, Have yeah. you actually started the story? I did some missions. How'd they go? I don't know. I just want to chill. <laughs> Pick flowers. <laughs> Pat the dogs. Yeah, hunt horses. I'm looking for a special horse now. I'm just running around going, I want new horses. And I've just left a, a wake of a sad abandoned horses on the side of the road waiting for me to return. That is so sad. Yeah. This is why I can't play this game. It's well, too sad. I wanted to tie off the loose ends and... Um, oh, what do you mean? But you're not allowed to on your own horse. Oh, my God. So, yeah, fuck this game. No. No, no, no it wouldn't let me. And oh, I good. couldn't go to the... I didn't want to go to the lengths of getting on a horse and doing a car bail as it hits a cliff or something. Listen, <laughs> if you could see my face, I was very troubled. Tangent to what I was doing. I just didn't want the mini-map indicator. But um, yeah, that rolls on. Um, I don't think oh, I've watched anything this week. Uh, the one interesting thing I did watch, uh, a couple new episodes of Riverdale. Yes. And yes, yes. I mean, they've just embraced the high concept thing now. We had a Breakfast Club homage thing, the which whole... was amazing, but uh, weird. Um, they got their decades mixed up. Either way, I enjoyed well, it. Yeah, but... it's, it's very confusing. That whole <laughs> era thing's confusing. But the whole plot this year is some sort of evil Dungeons and Dragons game. Everyone's yeah, I playing. Like it. It's and weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's sort like of freaky dicky shit. There's like a cult or something and an evil thing and all the kids get addicted to playing the games and they all commit suicide. It's like psychotic. It's very bizarre. And, and they did a whole episode where they were doing a, um, one of the characters was dungeon mastering and calling a whole game and they were, you know, rolling the dice and playing it. Meanwhile, a plot was acting out in tandem with this. Yeah, that was very cool. I didn't like was... the, the words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, Correlation I don't know. I can't even. I still can't describe the show, but it's thoroughly entertaining, and it's so oddball now. Mm. Like I, yeah. So that was good, but um, no, not much happening this week. Busy work mm. week. So what about yeah. you, Em? You've been hitting some binging. I have. So um, I'll get into this a bit later. But I watched seasons two and then one of The Sinner. Um, two then one. Yeah. So because season two only came out five days ago of The Sinner. Uh, when it comes up as its little ad thingy on Netflix, it's been on my list for a while, but I keep putting it on the back burner because I'm like, I don't think this is actually going to be very good. Uh, but the ad came up and I was really bored, so I was like, yeah, why not? So I pressed play and I um, I watched all of season two. And then I was like, great, I will now watch what I thought was going to be season two. And then I was looking in the menu, I'm like, what the, what the fuck is this? And... Um, because season two had just come out, that was the one that it starts you on. So, uh, heads up, if you want to watch any of The Sinner, Check go into the menu and start at season one. Um, and there was no... I have no idea what the story's about. So, that that wasn't any continuity issues? They're like separate no, stories? No, So, um, with The Sinner, um, it's separate stories. And again, I'll get Per season that. or per episode? Per season. So, not like Black Mirror, more like True Detective. The, all right. Yeah, yep. so I'll, gotcha. I'll, I'll get into that uh, for my full review later in the episode. All right. Um, but that's about all of my news. Didn't get up to playing Roundabout on PlayStation. Uh-huh. After all that. Yeah. Well, I got really hooked on the Sinner, so all my free time's been uh, spent doing that. And a certain movie we saw, Crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald. That's not the theme song, but I'm just deciding that should be it. One thing I learned 
There's a V in it. I was just Grindelwald, and mm. everyone was really putting the emphasis on the V the in the movie. I'm like, I, I've been saying this wrong. I've been yeah. making a fool of myself. Like, <laughs> so this was humbling. <laughs> Indeed. So Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Uh, yeah. So our full review on that. Uh, next, want to do that now? Yeah. All right. After the break. Crimes of Grindelwald, the second installment of the uh, Fantastic Beast franchise, the second franchise in the Wizarding World by J.K. Rowling, one of five films in this five. franchise. Which Seems is, like a lot. Honestly, it's too much. <laughs> like I, I, T and I are very big Potter fans, myself more so probably, um, and. I was very excited to have another franchise in the Wizarding World. I thought this was great. We get a bit more insight into, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, but when they announced off the bat there would be five films, I thought, oof, that is ambitious, given that one hadn't even come out at the time. I feel like you need to at least make one, see how it goes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anything should be really more than a trilogy. To yeah, be just having plan A to be five movies is... Yeah, I mean, I'll pay. I'll go see it. So it's going to work. I mean, no one's going to. I mean, no one's going to drop off after three movies because be like, oh, it's too many movies. Like, I'll tell you what, people will go. Fine. I'd watch them even if even if they're all rubbish. I'd probably still persevere to the I end. I begrudgingly would. Yeah, I'd be mad about it, but I would still pay like, for like it. Like a Star Wars it. movie. Like, it's one of those things where you kind of have to at this point. You just mm. kind of invest enough to persevere um and on that note um i think this was always going to be a rough movie for this second franchise i mean you're flying up fantastic beasts which had a couple of minor problems but was overall fairly well received i think um i think making the first movies the easiest in a another offshoot of a franchise because you can do anything you can do anything and people are probably going to like it Making a follow-up, however, is no easy feat. Exhibit A. Well, I... The big picture stuff was better in this movie. Like, the first one was just random stuff that happened, introducing some new characters. second one, they actually got to the nuts and bolts of what was going to happen. And Did that's... They? Well, that's, that that's, the ne- that's the next argument. Um, you know, two movies in, and just now I've started to realise what the franchise is going to be about. This is after mm. two movies and four hours of runtime. Mm. So, mm. but uh, just before, just how we got here, if you have forgotten the movie from a year ago, um, it's 1920s? Oh, thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, so it's the 1920s era, more focused on the American um, magical community. Mm. Which is a very big, different kind of environment, which was uh, very cool to see in Fantastic Beasts. Mm. It was a good window. And the parallel to what we're used to, there's a dark wizard, I guess they're calling him, who's causing a ruckus, causing some issues, known as Grindelwald. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew a few little tidbits about him from the Potter books back Mm. in the day, and we just knew he was a dark... Can you give us a rundown on that? Ah, I don't know, which part was in the books? He was a buddy with Albus Dumbledore in their young days, they were close... Star-crossed lovers, if you will. Yep, heavily implied they were a bit romantically entwined. Mm. Um, The details are vague, but they obviously had a philosophical 
difference in some views of the world. They both wanted the same big picture things, but with different ideologies behind those. It's very... wanted power. Dumbledore didn't. He just wanted equality. Yeah, it's very uh, Magneto, Professor X, just to go back to X-Men and Stanley. <laughs> just a tiny you know, bit. Guys relatively on the same team, but get driven apart by um, differing ideals. Yeah. Anyway, so Grindelwald is... What was he doing in the first movie? Like, doing bad things, building a following, mm. and he gets arrested. Mm. He found They found him skulking out in the American Ministry of Magic, manipulating mm. a bunch of stuff yeah. to, for means unknown, but mm. there were some clues that he was obsessed with the young man called Credence because of mm-hmm. his... Um, what was he? He was an Obscurio. Uh, well, he had an Obscurus, making him Obscurious. an Obscurial. Right. And so he had a particular type of magic that was mm. intriguing to him for reasons we don't know. Yes. So just to um, discuss what that is briefly. So an Obscurus is when a, uh, a wizard can not really use their magic properly as a result of trauma or being unloved and it sort of acts out on its own. Um, there's a bunch of theories about how Ariana Dumbledore uh, probably had an Obscurus based on what we know about her. Um, and that's what Credence um, had slash is. Hmm. Jump to this movie. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a spoiler-free review of this movie. So yes. if you're getting a bit anxious, you can keep listening. We're not going to talk about specifics. Mm. Um, it starts off with Grindelwald around, and um, obviously mm. it takes off from there. Mm. Now, before we just get into this, what what were your expectations of this movie? What did you want to see from Crimes of uh, Grindelwald? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Now that I know where we're going to, so it's not really a spoiler in terms of um, the two leads that aren't leads yet will be Grindelwald and Dumbledore. And we know from the Potter books that they eventually show down and mm. something involving an Elder Wand, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read them in a few years. Um, to put it briefly. Yes. Yeah, so we know that, I don't know, at movie five, who knows. I assume that's when that climax is going to happen, which is going to be very interesting. Yeah, so that is now the set piece. That's now the amazing, the final act. So we... Also, well, we don't know if that's already happened. Timeline-wise, that may have oh, already happened. That, do you think that's... Oh, yeah, I think so. I think, based on the timeline, mm. I think that's already been a thing. No, because yep. of a thing... That they did... Uh, we can't even... No. I don't think so. Just because of mm. other factors in the timeline. I think it's going to end with the big showdown between the two. And if if not, why am I watching these movies? <laughs> <laughs> it would be very cool to see that happen. However, because of another thing which we will discuss without discussing. Um, facts are unknown. Mm. Um, so what I wanted... Mm. Well, I didn't know if I wanted it before the movie. But the exploration of... The politics of the magical community. Yeah. So, um, I've mentioned this before to other people. Uh, in Harry Potter mm. and the Rise of Voldemort, you're not there for that. You're seeing the world through the kids' eyes. Yeah. Like, ah, there was a guy, Voldemort, dark wizard, mm. gathering followers. It was a whole thing. It was very tense. Mm. And Gets it's... 90% defeated. Off he goes into the ether. So you don't actually see that rise happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And... I always found that fascinating because Voldemort was such a, a true villain with no compromise. He was very powerful mm. and very prejudiced 
um, he was a bit of a eugenics guy, and um, mm. he attracted other dicks and yeah. um, people into eugenics. And I always thought, cool, but that that'd be a very fringe group. They're dangerous, but yeah. with everyone, it's very it's very extremist. It's very extremist. And I'm like, yeah. how did he get so popular that he could make the moves that he did? So the parallel now is Grindelwald, who his different goals are different to um, Voldemort's, but technically trying to do the same thing. And this was fascinating to me because it's quite comparable to a current situation in American politics. Um, going around telling people, everything that sucks in your life, I can make better. Everything that's bad, I can make good. And just all empty nonsense. But yeah. that's how he does it and gains theoretically followers we don't know now the character of Grindelwald um particularly what you see a bit more in the first movie he's a real smooth talker he knows how to use your emotions against you to get you on side which he does do uh, in both movies he does in the first movie to credits uh or to get credits and um with other characters in this next installment um however while the character is very smooth, I feel like once the, the character was, you know, unmasked, so to speak, uh, at the end of the last film, um, which was an actor swap because he was, you know, pretending to be someone else for a long time of the film. Spoils, but that's over a year old now. Um, I found that with Johnny Depp playing this character, all that charisma was lost. I saw that. Oh, I had a quite different view of it. I thought I went in going and Johnny Depp things very weird, but there was like this implication that he was a young, good-looking guy, and you see that in the movie because there's like a flashback and like in the in his heyday, and he was. And but as a you know adult sort of senior wizard, he's worldly and stuff. And I think he was very imposing, very sharp, and I was quite impressed with Johnny Depp's performance. I mean. Because you see Johnny Depp now, and you're like, because oh, of um, <laughs> external reasons and some movie choices. Yeah. Um, but I was blown away by the back quarter of this movie where he starts talking and manipulating people, and oh, I was on the edge of my seat. It was so tense because of all the they've set, spent the whole movie setting up the stakes and everyone's sort of mm. views on this, and then everyone's in a situation. And the whole last quarter of the movie, I was hanging on every word he said. Mm. I was that was the only redeeming feature of the movie for me. I had a very different opinion to you. I felt that Johnny Depp looked like a lump of sourdough. Um I mean this is what I mean. The character that he was pretending to be in the first film looked a lot more slick and imposing and seductive. But he just looked like a regular guy. Was, who was it? La Palia? No. Who's the actor? I don't know. Right. Um But he would have done a better job, <laughs> I can tell mm. you that. I feel like there was a lot of well intentions with the character of Grindelwald, particularly in this climactic scene, um, and it just didn't fully deliver for me. There was a lot of potential, Mike. I can see where this is trying to go, but I need I, you're sitting at a six. I need you to take this to an eleven for right. what this is. Um, so I I didn't think that went very well. I liked the themes that were explored in that and the sort of manipulation. That occurred, but I think it could have been executed a lot better. I feel like, and this could be making some big assumptions, but I, it feels like Johnny Depp knew that this role wasn't going anywhere for him, and so he just felt he could just 
really? ride it on yeah, out without yeah. putting in a lot of effort. And just the costuming for his character looked absurd. Like, he doesn't look imposing. And I don't know if they made him look that way because, like, Voldemort looks weird. And so they were like, all right, we'll make him look weird. I'm like, no, you just made him look stupid. Looks like I... a baking incident gone wrong. <laughs> all right. You don't like the wardrobe. <laughs> no, but for that kind of look, like, I would more envision someone like Lucius Malfoy, for example. Like, very blonde and pale and very imposing, big, kind of intimidating character. And Johnny Depp was not. So, one thing they did do different while we're comparing the two big bads. Mm. Voldemort was evil and loved being evil and, like, killed people and enjoyed it. Mm. Grindelwald is indifference, so there's evil goings-on that he's involved with, and he just doesn't care. He's just indifferent. Like, you're in my way. Vakadava, you're out of my way. <laughs> like, Well, they're both like that, yeah. I feel. Yeah, but, uh, like, Voldemort always put on a show when he killed someone. It was always a big spectacle. You know, he was a bit more... He had a bit of bloodlust in him. I think we're ta- what we're talking about here is we're talking about psychopaths versus sociopaths. In which case, yeah. Voldemort is the psychopath. He revels in this, whereas Grindelwald is more of a sociopath. He is more, um, he's a bit more clever about things. He goes with the slow moves and he uses emotions to manipulate people instead of, you know, blackmail. Hmm. <laughs> so that's where I sort of see um, the difference character-wise. I mean, execution-wise. <laughs> but uh yeah but sort of you know pulling back uh going back to my initial thoughts of the movie like what i wanted to say is we heard a lot about this american school um you know the american equivalent of hogwarts before fantastic base even came out and we're still yet to see any of that so i really hope that actually ends up being something because i would really like to see that a bit more um and this movie in itself wasn't actually set in America. So I do like that they switched it up a little bit again for that. Um, now, one one thing that they did do well is they carried over. So, you know, this franchise is Fantastic Beasts. You know, it, it's going to be starring um, Newton and all, you know, all of the things he loves. And uh, I know you've got some different opinions about that. But I quite like him because he's just this Hufflepuff dude going about his business. He doesn't really want to get involved but he does he just sort of gets dragged through he's not you know this brave Gryffindor doing bold stupid shit like Harry does fuck Gryffindors just quietly <laughs> and uh, so I quite like that it's a different kind of um, you know everyday hero is what I, would, what I would say and I do like that they carry this theme of the beasts through um, through this film without it being too in your face like this is a beast movie and I think they did it quite well with just sort of keeping these you know some beloved and some new creatures uh, in this movie, not as a main piece, but just sort of happening around. And I thought that was very cool. I, like, there was some beasts that carried over from the first one. Mm-hmm. And they were relevant and had plot things. And they were, you know, yeah. companions of Newt. I found, and he had one visit into his, uh, like, you know, the suitcase where he's got his little menagerie. Mm. And so we see some of his animals. That was cool. Oh, just nice. I feel every other animal encounter was shoehorned. Like, really? Yeah. So, oh, like, oh, the story takes us to this place where there happens to be a large beast that happens to escape that Newt happens to deal with, or whatever. Mm. Adventure you know, in shoes. Adventure in shoes. And, like, this was, you know, 
That one maybe, but I quite I mean, liked that beastie. If Newt was a banker, they could have shot that scene in a bank, <laughs> and that could have been the same thing. Well, I guess. It, it, this comes to my sort of problem with the franchise as a whole. The characterization is awful. Mm. So we were introduced to some characters. Some were a bit interesting. A lot weren't. And I don't know if that's... I would say most weren't. Yeah. I don't know if that's a failing of JK in terms of writing a script. She needs the pages to get enough out of every character. This is what I feel. I feel like she is a brilliant writer and a brilliant author. But I don't think... She just doesn't have the experience of writing a screenplay. That's not her area. And that may improve the more that she gets to do that. I mean, she still had a lot of involvement with the uh, Harry Potter movies. But, again, that was building off something that already existed. So maybe she, that's She different. needs the 200 pages to get the mm. most out of these characters. Mm. So particularly in this second movie, there was just vague... Yeah, you learn a bit more about Newt's family. You learn a bit more about the Strange family and there's plots and stories and some of them are resolved and some of them aren't but none of it mattered because we weren't invested in any characters there's a lot of characters thrown at you Mm. and some of them are thrown at you and then just hang around and get nothing and it's like well okay they must be important later but then even worse (sighs) we see like a whole room full of new characters that are introduced in the first five ten minutes of the movie and you never see them again i'm like who who the fuck were they are they coming back like that seemed important. <laughs> yeah, and there was, like... You can tell if this was in a book, all these characters would have gotten their chapters and everything. Mm. This all would have been very nice. You know, main plot, subplot, B plot, C plot. Yeah. You know, side plot. Um, diversion chapter. You know, standard book writing. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it didn't work in a movie. So, you know, there's, like, six, seven new characters. Is it really that many? Or, like, main characters. Probably 20 new characters. And and some, you know, like, oh, this is ripe ground, the Lestrange family. This is ripe ground, Newt's family. Mm. And it's just just there. Two families with great history that we know about, and they're just not fleshed out. And they have, so this big reveal scene, uh, comparable to, um, you know, the haunted house on Haunted Hill in um, Potter 3, where we learn about... Pettigrew and Snape and all that big reveals, big change in the right, dynamic. Right? Yeah, okay, I wasn't really going with that. Yeah. I'm like, what? So, like a big, a big, tense reveal scene, and they yes. do that in this movie, and it's like, oh, cool. This is all very interesting stuff. If I was invested in any of this, my mind would have been blown. Mm. But what does this have to do with the main plot? And yeah. some stuff got added to the main plot later, which we won't talk about today because it's the the big bombshell of the movie. Mm. Um, On that, I oh, just before we get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just all the characters didn't matter. And it also, there was a bunch of characters from the first movie that just, hey, I'm here, and they were in the second movie. And like, why are you here? Well, this is the point that I was going to make, is that they've dragged all the characters from the first movie through this second movie. And there's really only two and a half, two, that really need to be there. The rest don't. So, um... For starters, Tina, who was, you know, the main broad in the first movie, she gets dragged through. But just as this, like, she's really putting it, like, inserted into it for a really weird reason. And I still hate her. I still do not like her at all. I hope she dies so bad. And she had no point. She had absolutely zero point. She was just around for the sake of being around. Yeah, someone familiar for Newt. 
And mm. the whole thing is Newt's a quirky guy and he's not going to have any growth or development because he's weird, but he's he knows his ideals and nothing is going to be challenged or changed. I don't think anything could be challenged or changed. They haven't written him to well, be capable he, of this. Well, I think his whole thing is because, again, he's an ordinary dude just trying to go about his business, but he's getting sucked into all this stuff and he'll sort of learn to adapt and grow um, and so that therefore has a point. Tina has no point. She has no point. I hope she dies. Please kill her off. Um, and yeah, so she was just sort of dragged through for the sake of it, as were a few other characters. Um, and again, with Newt, because he's such this, you know, regular Joe dude who's a bit unusual, um, he's, yeah, again, he's no, he's no Gryffindor. He ain't no brave soul trying to, you know, march on through and solve the world. He's just trying to rescue some animals along the way and uh, Dumbledore uses yet another young man as a pawn to do his bidding. And that's another thing for mine. Classic Dumbledore. Newt is interchangeable with anyone. Like, there's nothing special about Newt. He's just a reason to have animals in the movie. Like, I feel, you know, it could be... You could make that argument about Harry, like, besides his specific backstory. Harry Harry's, went on a journey know. and changed and grew and blah blah well, blah blah. He probably would too if he had eight books. Or He's got it, five movies. Or if he had any character div- uh, any character lines he would also potentially grow. Anyway, um the Newt magical beasts part doesn't mesh with the Grindelwald plot line. They seem unrelated to well, me. Well, I can see your point how he may be interchangeable, but either way, I like him. Um, and in terms of some other costuming uh, decisions, I will say that I am living for Lita's outfit that she wears for most of the movie. As soon as she walked on in that outfit, I was just like, oh damn, how do I get one of those and can I wear it everywhere? Because <laughs> it was beautiful you can see uh that outfit on our twitter i posted that earlier if you want to see the outfit that i am talking about and i think she had the the most potential to be fleshed out in this movie besides you know grindelwald um who again wasn't we'll get to that surely uh she had you know so much potential uh, given that she is a lestrange and um all those sort of things and interesting things do kind of happen to her but Again, there's no fleshed out about, you know, her decisions and why she's done X, Y, and Z. And so that was a real missed opportunity, I feel. Um, Because, again, you sort of get thrust into this weird family relationship as well between Newt and his brother. And you're like, well, what's that really about? And that's not really explored either. So they just sort of, like, wedge all these things in, like, this could be interesting if we put some effort in. But we're not. But you can watch it anyway. Yeah, like, the pieces are introduced to you, and Mm. you can see the plot that could be written about them. Yeah, it's just so underdeveloped. None of them did. Yeah. Here's a a interesting romantic triangle. Here's someone with a dark past. Here's Mm. someone... These weren't the actual plot lines, but, you know, Mm. you you see the pieces, and you're like, oh, yeah, this could cause some tension and some growth and they're just rubbing your hands so you're like all right what have we got here and and then then, then yeah they all just stand in the background and yeah yeah. um and now there were two two big hot buttons that were um very heavily concerned about i don't know uh you know weighty issues that people were worried about going into this movie one was um the relationship between dumbledore and grindelwald because we were like oh 
there was a lot of talk about whether or not we're going to see anything and it sounded like we weren't going to and um like i mean jk loves a good slow burn on uh, the reveals and in this case it was too slow like um what was the, the throwaway line that they used to describe their relationship closer than brothers I'm like, well, that's a bit ambiguous. And there's like a little bit of like a flashbacky scene. We're like, oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, I thought that was all fine. It was perfect I mean, it to was... acknowledge that there was probably a romantic relationship. It was, well, I guess it was we, left we... for interpretation. So if you knew, you're like, okay, cool. I said, if you didn't, you could be like, oh, that's fine for my heteronormative brain. And um, yeah, so, but I will say though, like young Grindelwald has got that super amazing queer look going on. I was like, oh, hello, Grindy. Um, so I did like that casting. So if we can see some flashbacks of that, I'd be down because, yeah, hello, queer icon. You want the Jude Law and young Grindelwald. Oh, I do. Oh, Softcore Disney. No, they're Warner Brothers <laughs> romantic scene. I don't know. That <laughs> would be great. Not even just that. I just really like looking at young Grindelwald because he's just what, just a slick-looking... Um, queer figure and I like it I thought like it how they did it was fine like it could have been a bit of a thing that hung over the movie given JK has um, what she tweeted it tweeted some mm-hmm. you know semantics about these nature of these characters um, and they don't I mean if they put on if they give that a lot of screen time I doesn't it, that's the thing it didn't need to have a lot of screen to, time yeah. I'm not saying give us a 40 minute explanation about their relationship it's like but the, the nature Fantastic of their Fantastic Beasts 3 you know Brokeback Mountain would watch <laughs> uh, but the nature of their relationship is a very important part of their history and their different ideologies and how they went their different ways and so I think that is important to at least explore a little bit so I do hope that we get to see a bit more of that in the third film, just to flesh that out a little bit, because we know there's a history, and so I don't know if they're deliberately keeping it ambiguous so they can flesh it out in part three. I don't think you'll have to worry about that, because the the way to make their final inevitable showdown great is to show that. So well, that, Yeah, that's, that's what know. I mean. I'm saying it's probably just a slow burn, yeah. because J.K. likes to do those. Um, I mean, we'll get a Obi-Wan, you were the chosen one, <laughs> sort of thing, and... <laughs> You know, before one of them cuts off the other one's legs. Yeah, and that's not my last Lucas reference for uh, this review right. either. I have like three more. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, what was the other point that I was going to say? Oh, yeah, so the other big kind of hot button issue, um, which we touched on in a previous episode of this podcast, is the history of Nagini. Now, we saw her revealed in a trailer, and everyone was like, oh shit, that's a lot of problems because, you know, you're making this um, dragon lady stereotype here. And look, that wasn't improved in the movie. I was like, all right, that's a trailer. And, you know, that's how it presents right now. But I'm sure once the movie comes out, that'll be rectified. And it's not actually what it looks like. Everybody, it is exactly what it looks like. So, um, you know, especially by putting her in the trailer, you're like, oh, she must be a key part in this film. I think she has like three lines in the whole movie. If that. If that. And all she really does is sort of hide behind credits. And it was real bullshit. Like, you can sort of tell they have some kind of special relationship or friendship or whatever. But that's not explored. There's no reason. That, like, you're like, why are they buddies? Like, what's happening? Why are you here? <laughs> it feels very inserted. And I'm sure maybe, you know, she's got a... I, yeah. I would hope that there are um, points which will be fleshed out in later movies. But I still feel like it's great to plant seeds along the way. But you need to see those sprouts you know you can't just plant shit and then have nothing come of it in the one movie and that was a big problem i had with this is that 
this movie had a beginning and a middle and no end at all. Like when the the big scene happens, which again I said was a six and I needed it at eleven, um, that felt to me like you know a climactic scene in the middle of a movie, and there'll be another big showdown later, and then not long after that we got credits, and I'm like, huh, okay. It felt Gosh. very um, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, big uh... reveals. People moving into different positions and setting up for bigger beef later. Yeah, but even that had like a bigger final scene before that. Yeah. So, like, I found, yeah, I found it to be a little underwhelming. And, um, yeah, and, and sort of more on that, um, one of the, one of the issues, one of the many issues is, um, that these, films particularly this film this film in particular just shoots all over harry potter canon which is that wasn't no no no, i'm gonna tell you why so in this movie um there are there are two things two main things that interfere with existing harry potter canon that we have here one of those things is um the big reveal at the end which i'll talk about a bit later and the other thing is a particular cameo of somebody who is not yet in existence. And that is a bit of an issue for Tyler reasons. And that it sort of brings into into this a whole other argument of, you know, you want to pander to the fans because that's, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you need to be true to what you've written. And so where's sort of the cutoff for that? Like, what what do you define as the canon? Is the canon... The OG series is it the series in the mills is in the films is it the series the films, Cursed Child and Pottermore is it the tweets is it all of it like where do you draw the line to say here is where we can fuck with things so she's done a real George Lucas on this and she's just dicking with her own canon history here where and I and I think that particular aspect is not salvageable there's no reason and even some people have gone maybe it's irrelative um, but you can see in the credits that it's that person's name so that was a bit kind of like it was like oh that's exciting but then you think about it and you're like wait a minute <laughs> so it shouldn't be yeah and it was stupid but harmless in the scheme of things well it depends that's again that's again what i mean so it depends how seriously you want to take this like on the surface level you're like oh that's exciting but then you're like wait if and you care about canon it might piss you off having lived through the star wars reimaginings mm. i sort of came to the conclusion that Arguing about canon is fun. It's not a real thing. Like, who cares? Like, Potter canon ended when I finished Deathly Hallows. You know? Mm. I mean, there's tweets, Pottermore. Like, that's not subtracting from how much I enjoyed Mm. Philosophers through to Hallows. Oh, for sure. But I'm saying it's still a thing that might impact how some people may see this. Again, it depends on how you subjectively want to receive this information it takes a bit of a strength of will not to let the new information influence how you enjoyed the thing in the past like you're making you're making the joke about um jk tweeting and adding arbitrary things you're like oh that changes everything you shouldn't let it change everything (laughs) well no see i i like those bits of um those little bits of information that she dishes out. But I am trying to see this with fresh eyes as a separate franchise Mm. so this isn't detracting Anything for my love of Harry Potter. Cursed Child, another story, but save that for another time. I liked Cursed Child. Oh, you're wrong. And I, I, <laughs> I, I know it's silly and, yeah, fan fiction, but it was a, a joyous romp and I wasn't, like, really 
going, oh, what, what does this mean? I for... would more call Curse Child an adaptation love letter from a fan to the original franchise. So but I don't consider it. Last time a part someone of the did franchise. that, we got Twilight, though. Not yeah, well, Twilight, uh, Fifty Shades. That's basically what I would call that. Um, Fifty Shades of Hogwarts. That's what that is called. Um, but I digress. So, um, yeah, so she's being a bit of a Lucas about mm. all this, and I'm like, oh. And at the same time, I'm like, well, I guess you are kind of like the new Lucas in terms of making mm. such a big empire. So I'm like, maybe you should be allowed to do that. And then on the other hand, I'm like, do you really feel like you're that big that you can? And the answer is yes, she can. Um, but should she is the other richer thing. than the queen yeah, that's it exactly so um so again it brings into that issue of what is canon what isn't canon do you care um yeah so i was a, a little note about the nagini thing um and also similar on the the lucas front is we do see our beloved favorite creature maker return the beloved niffler everyone loves the niffler um, very much her favourite. It's a dirty thief. I didn't like the Niffler. He so caused cute. so much trouble in the first movie. He's so cute, though. <sighs> and this is what's funny, because when I was sort of thinking about all these kind of, like, Lucas-esque comparisons, I'm like, huh, Nifflers are Ewoks. <laughs> they are made to sell the toys. But the Niffler didn't... I'm just looking at our Niffler pop right now. There it is. Mm. Um, the Niffler didn't kiddify the whole movie. No, no, it didn't. Whereas the, whereas the Ewoks, yeah, yeah. The, in, like, just random side note return mm. of the jedi was meant to end with harrison ford dying mm. and luke skywalker this movie doesn't exist <laughs> and luke skywalker True. walking off into the sunset mm. instead we got teddy bears drumming on the decapitated heads of their enemies awesome. which is a mixed metaphor but you know <laughs> the, he, he sold a shitload of ewok toys and ewok spin-off movies so. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um like, but... I, I i would watch niffler escape from endor <laughs> That would be a movie I would watch. Oh, man. Niffler's <laughs> escape from Gringotts yeah. with all their fucking gold. Can that's, we make oh, this? <laughs> that's perfect, yeah. I know. Like a site. Oh, we're Cartoon the, we're, coming to you. We're part of the problem. <laughs> JK, please uh, send us an email and we will collaborate with our amazing idea. The fans would hate us. <sighs> Bullshit. They would love it. They'd love it more than Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, on that note, though, the title of this movie is Bullshit. Do you know how many crimes I saw Grindelwald actually commit in this movie? One and a half. One and a half. Yeah, this should be called The Rise of Grindelwald because it's seeing how he's sort of There was an attempted very big crime, which I obviously can't talk about today. So I think, um, I think the cops trying to arrest him is generally justified. Yeah, but we don't see them. We only see, like... No, no, no. Those, we can't talk about it. I think I know what you're getting at, but <laughs> but he didn't do it, so... No, there was a, a, there was an attempt. Yeah. There was a severe attempt. But it says crimes are crimes are I need more rampant murdering happening to go, okay, crimes are It wasn't a bastion of moral integrity for the bulk of the movie. I well, mean... Then it should be called the moralistic qualms of Grindelwald. <laughs> The grey areas of Grindelwald. Fifty Shades of Grey, a Grindelwald story. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't think this is a spoiler, but, like, obviously Grindelwald is out and doing things. Oh, yeah, which we know from the first movie anyway. <laughs> yeah. So... But barely. To get to that point, there was a few crimes committed. <laughs> One and a half counted. All right. <laughs> counted. So I was a bit annoyed about that. Now, the big one. The, the plot twist. 
Now exactly. I'm intrigued how you're going to talk about this okay. <laughs> without spoiling yeah. anything. All right, so just the... caveat: we are definitely not spoiling this. No, so no spoilers. Um, besides, just saying that there is in fact There's a bombshell, and you've probably seen a million articles being like, "Oh, the continuity is in Crimes of Winterworld." Uh, don't open them unless you've uh, seen the movie. But it is a big problem because there is a vast amount of years difference between and that happens um, or could happen. However, I did read a very interesting theory which does explain that continuity problem and I want to get more in depth in that uh, once this movie is released on DVD because I feel like that it would be an appropriate time to okay. talk about so you that. Want to come um, back in six months and yeah, and I will um, tear. I don't think the fire would be hot then. Who'd care about a theory in six months of an average movie? Do you even know anyone who likes Harry Potter? <laughs> no, but I mean, like of um, this one. I, obviously, people still talk about Harry Potter theories to this day. Yeah, people are still shredding like philosopher's stone for shit. So, believe me, the the talk will still be happening, and that'll be Remember great. Remember when Harry because... killed a guy? Which time? <laughs> um, but I think by then what will be interesting, because I've only really seen this one potential explanation theory come out that justifies this co- massive continuity issue. Um, Other than Grindelwald being full of shit. Yeah, um, and looking like a sack of flour. So um, I think by the time this comes out, maybe some more theories will come out, and so then we might have a little bit more to talk about. Um, but, yeah, I was getting real ready to get on my rage on about these continuity problems because I'm like, this is... <laughs> what? This is really problematic for a lot of reasons because it busts the timeline, it busts what we know about certain people and their histories. Um, so, But then when I read this, I'm like, ah, oh, that is some clever, clever shit. Um, and I'll talk to you about it off air because it's pretty awesome. But uh, <laughs> suck it. Sorry, everyone else. Uh, if you do want to know what it is, and you... tune in in six months. Yeah, tune in six months, or just um, send me a DM a... and I'll tell you. Should we do like a spoiler cast, like just a short one where we label it as a supplement to this, and just talk the actual specifics, and then people can just skip the episode? Uh, no, I want to wait because I want right. to. I want to leave some some time for this to gestate and get some more theories out there and then we can I, I don't them. think I'm going to care about this movie in six well, months well I'm going to so I'm just going to talk at you about right. them in six months time and you can deal I'll be reviewing Rick and Morty season four <laughs> yeah boy like that'll be out in six months yeah. <laughs> maybe like three years um, but anyway yeah so there is this massive uh, big bombshell that happens and yeah there is this whole question of is this bullshit like how can you shoot all over the canon and the timeline and this and that um, my initial thought was no, I think this is legit because of, you know, I mean, there's some evidence flying around. Uh, if you've seen that, you may pick up on what I'm talking about. Um, and But, however, that could also be falsified, potentially. I mean, this is what happens in a magic world. Can you really believe what you see? Anything can be conjured. Anything can be altered. Anything can be gone back in time and done this and done that. So, you know, yeah, cause remember, fair game. Remember that time <laughs> when Harry killed a guy? Which time? Wood for wood. <laughs> oh, always. Um, yeah, so, again, there's a great theory about how that may be explained, but on the surface level, um, it was a really shitty, for now, plot twist bombshell, which made zero sense, and, again, I hope that this theory is true, and we'll see in the next movie, I guess. Um, so stay tuned for future episodes to hear more about that. Uh, but again, that was a very big problem that I had with, uh, with this film. So, and that's what is very weird about all of this, is that, um, JK, like, she's a real architect of an author. I mean, there's two types of writing. There's the architect method where you've got every single thing mapped out. I mean, if you've seen any doco with JK in it, you've seen the 
exuberant amounts of notes and bits of paper. Like she has this shit completely mapped out. And then we compare that to someone like, um, you know. Who's the guy who wrote Maze Runner? Oh, I was going to say George R. R. Martin. Um, whereas he's more, I forget what the word is for it, but um, the yeah, type of writing lost. style. You know, the type of writing style where you start the writing and see where it takes you. Yeah, like Lost. Uh, yeah, that too. The worst TV show ever made. Yeah, not that he wrote that, but he may as well have. Um, so yeah, so and be, and you know if, say for example, if this was set in a universe he created, I'd be like that makes sense because he's an idiot. But um, <laughs> but J.K. she's so well thought out with all her things, and so when you see this hot mess of a plot well, and movie, you're like, well, what the fuck happened here? But. <laughs> That's where the movie ended. We don't know where this leads to. And I have trust in, like, while she, well, I don't like her messing with old stuff, I have trust that she has this mapped out. Now, while mm. I hated the characterization, or I hate the characters, I've seen enough stuff moving into position that mm. I think there will be quite a grand payoff. That doesn't redeem the first two movies for me, but I, I see everything don't think you should have to make two movies to get there, though. This is the thing that it you should have been a trilogy. Argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not if, five. If it was a tight trilogy, it could be a different story. It could have been a tight one. Ooh, Maybe not. But. No, I don't think so. <laughs> For where they are potentially going, I think so. And um, I, I trust that she has mapped this mapped out. And like this bombshell, you're going to be like, oh my god, bombshell for a year, and then the next movie will come out and everything will probably change again. And everyone will send severely apologetic tweets to J.K. <laughs> being like, I am so sorry I yelled at you. <laughs> because she must be just ducking for cover right now being like, no, just wait, please just wait. Yeah. I'm hoping. Um, and because again, I'm like, I was initially quite annoyed I saw this and I'm like, this is some bullshit. I don't know like, how any of this has gone down. But when I sort of dug through this theory and it pulled out some interesting dialogue choices, one line from this movie, one line from the previous movie, I was like, you know what? That is some classic sneaky JK Rowling shit. Right. Because <laughs> you know, so... she likes to plant those seeds and sit on them and then later we'd be like, ha, huh, you did plant that earlier. I see what you did there. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's where that's going to go. So I've because since remember, I've dug through this, I have now restored my faith in, in JK. She, she has a stellar track record with pulling all this together. That's also, what I'm saying. she knows she put the end of the movie with this announcement. And she knows everyone watching this movie probably has a vague idea of Potter stuff. And, <laughs> no. and so she knows this is everyone's reaction. And I would posit... This is the exact reaction she wanted because we're all like, wait. Well, we're talking about it. Yeah. And she's like, we're all, wait, what? And every, like, your reaction to get mad about it, my reaction, like, hmm, that doesn't make sense on initial, you know, inspection. Well, like I said, I was <laughs> mad and then I yeah. found a really interesting theory that pulled out some interesting dialogue which justifies said theory. And I was like, okay, yeah, that, that seems more JK to me. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, this will be interesting when it all comes together. So yeah. I don't know. We're, we're investing, we all invest too much. Emotion into our What's well, not true now with the internet? I mean, I tell you what, I, we get manipulated. So yeah. it, this happens, and we can be like, "Hmm, wait, I'm not sure that makes sense." And that's as far as the thought would go. Mm. Whereas the internet publications are all mm. like, "Oh, everyone's outraged at this plot. Oh, everyone is so mad. Oh, gaping continuity holes and things." And you get madder reading these headlines, mm. and I'm like, and and all of a sudden, the rabid fan base is like. I'm so mad, and we'll click You're every. You're right. I am mad, <laughs> and we'll click every single article. Yeah, it's true. Talking about alternative theories or how mad everyone else. Everyone loves an article embedded with tweets 
by no ones <laughs> saying how mad they are about something you weren't even sure you were mad about when you clicked the article. Mm, that is a very good we're point. We're addicted to outrage. That's true. And we that will click true. it up. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> Damn wizard fedora hats. Um, but... No, but yeah, the no, fedoras um, love the outrage. I know. Uh, but... <laughs> But you make some good points. and uh, But you're right. Maybe JK did anticipate these reactions, so she's probably just going to duck and cover for a while until something emerges. Um, but all in all, like, all of that stuff aside, I am still shitty that they, on the surf- on a complete surface level, they dragged characters into this that just flat out didn't need to be there, and this movie has zero ending, and I hate that. So those are my two takeaways on a complete surface level of enjoyment of this film. Uh, yeah, that just about wraps up everything I have to say. Do you have any more comments about no, Crimes that's of Grindelwald? Make sure you know what an article is making you feel in their headline. Don't be manipulated by the internet, people. Don't let them wake up. Change you. Man. Stay woke. Junkie creeping. <laughs> anyway, yeah. moving on. Okay, so coming up next, I will chat about seasons one and two of The Sinner. Welcome back. So, uh, while you have had a busy work week, I um, put off my my gaming responsibilities and I picked up The Sinner on Netflix. Um, It is a... Who is it by? USA Network, I believe. Um, Now, I was just chatting to a friend um, earlier in the week about The Sinner and she was saying, when's Sinner 2 coming out? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. And it's sort of been on my list for a while, but I didn't really... um, get into it because it just it didn't uh, I mean it looked okay but it was low on my to watch list do you know anything about The Sinner? no I was delighted to see Bill Pullman wasn't it? yeah what do you know him from? Bill Pullman? Mm. is President Whitmore from Independence Day okay what else? he was the coma guy from While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> give me a minute <laughs> either way I'm impressed I've got to be very careful now because I'm going to mix him up with Bill Paxton. You go, I'll I'll come back to you. Oh, yeah, cool. You think about that while I talk about this. So, okay, my first problem I had when I went to watch The Sinner on Netflix is that I accidentally watched season two, like I mentioned before. <laughs> so, uh, again, just sort of fleshing this out a bit more, it's one of those shows where um, each season is a completely different story. Um, but it is carried across with the same detective. So the same detective is investigating across these two seasons. Is that Bill Pullman? Yes. So he's in both seasons? Yes. Lovely. Yes. Um, And he's a delight. And incidentally, looks a lot like an old version of a friend of ours. So I was like, ah, that's cool. Um, So he sort of has some personal growth going through both of these seasons, which is um, kind of mildly interesting, but it didn't really feel like it added a whole lot. Now, if you don't know um, the premise of The Sinner, um, it made a lot more sense when I went back and watched season one because that was had a lot of more religious undertones. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Now I get the title. Um, but it's basically about how trauma impacts what you're doing, like how it impacts your life and... Um, all that kind of stuff. So um, season two actually got a higher rating on both Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. So season two was a whole 1% higher on Rotten Tomatoes at, um, what was it? 
96 or something. Yeah, it got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Metacritic gave season two a score of 75 compared to 71 for the first season. Um, now, I don't know if this is because I just watched this backwards, but it, um, I felt that season one was stronger. Uh, that was a bit better for me. Um, yeah. So what are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm IMDBing All right. Bill. All right. Just for those at home, T's been really distracting and just sort of on the, you, on you... the sly, slid off his headphones and was just sort of crawling towards the corner of the room like, Doing well, that. I'd done it perfectly until you pointed it out. Well, it was very distracting. I'm like, what? What's happening? Just there? do your review. Is there <laughs> snacks? Can I have some? I have no there snacks. is no snacks. It's very disappointing. Anyway, back to the cinema. Oh, I was in Spaceballs. He's the main guy in Spaceballs. How did I forget that? Sorry, go on. Input from T. No Remember snacks. Spaceballs? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So season two surprisingly got a slightly higher. Um, Rating. I felt season one was a lot stronger in terms of um, the themes and just the story in general. Um, so season one, uh, just to tell you what's in the trailer, so give you an idea. Season one is about a girl called Cora and um, it opens with her sitting with her fam on the beach, all happy family, having a good time. And then she sees someone who's just you know playing a song on the radio, some young people, and then she just gets up and stabs a dude seven times. And you're like, well, that was weird. Uh, anyway, details slowly emerge and it's this detective going through this case being like, something isn't right here, I'm a grizzled detective. And going through and pulling apart the story and you find out this happens and that happens. And it's really quite fascinating. I found that story a lot more enthralling than season two, which opens with, um, I forget the kid's name, Julian. Um, so it's called like season one core and season two Julian. And... Again, you'll see in the trailer, uh, Julian opens with um, murdering both of his parents. And everyone's like, well, that's a bit weird. Why would he do that for? Again, the more this detective digs deeper, the more strange, stranger and stranger down the rabbit hole it goes. Um, and it was still a pretty good story, um, but I wasn't as into that one kind of as much. And season two is a bit more about more of a, a systematic influence of protectionism and uh, the the trauma of the people you're in relationships with, so, you know, parents, friends, whatever, and how that can affect you versus season one where the trauma happens to the person. So uh, that was sort of an interesting kind of growth on the, on the season two. Um, so I guess for me, I feel season one's definitely stronger. Um, again, don't know if that's because I watched it in reverse, but uh, those, were, those were my thoughts. Um, the only thing I had big problems with in season one is that there is a giant plot hole and I had to actually do some reading afterwards. I'm like, wait, cause I only finished it today. And I was like, this is cool how they've threaded all this together and how, you know, X, Y, Z happened. But there's something that happens in one of the earlier episodes where Cora's parents explain the whereabouts of somebody and you're like, okay, cool. And that just gets completely retconned and you're like, why, <laughs> why though? Like, I don't know if it's lazy story writing or if it um, there's some other weird explanation like, well, well, you know, maybe this happened and then her parents thought blah, blah, blah. Um, but I just thought it was some bullshit. So I didn't much care for that. Um, if you've seen it and you've got thoughts, tweet us. Goodbye, underscore, bad pop. Um, overall, I would say definitely watch The Sinner. 
whether or not you watch season two is up to you. I'd probably still watch it. Like, it was still pretty decent. But I did prefer um, season one. T, any input? It was also in a movie called Mr. Wrong. Great. Alongside Ellen DeGeneres. Fantastic. Where it looks like Bill Pullman is marrying, getting married to Ellen DeGeneres. What a world. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, she looks... I mean, she looks like she's gay. That's a very 90s cover. (laughs) She looks like she's just worked out that she's gay and shouldn't marry Bill (laughs) Pullman. She looks very upset about things. Bill Pullman's been in a lot of movies that I've never heard of. He's in Dave, isn't he? Dave. Only in Dave. I didn't see anything called Dave. Maybe not. Anyway, sorry. Um, Next week on T Reads IMDb. (laughs) Yeah, all, all exciting stuff here today. Um, so is it a story that you would have much interest in? Because I, like I sort of compare it to, it's a bit true detective in that, um, you know, there's sort of culty religiousy things happening it's, and it's a story that you sort of get a bit lost in. You're like, hmm, then what It's happens? ruined for me because I came home hungover today and <laughs> saw you watch the big reveal finale. You did. That was gross and unpleasant and I was hungover was. and eating old birthday cake and <laughs> I felt very <laughs> ill. Watching the goings-ons, and so Fair. that show's ruined for me now. Yeah. Or maybe we just watch season two, because it's totally unrelated. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, that's all I have to say for The Sinner. Get on to that. Um, season two is now out. Unsure if it's continued for season three, but at least it's got a solid two. So get on to that one. Now moving on. Um, do you have any news items? Um, there was one you told me that made me irrationally mad. Aren't they bringing back Malcolm Merlin into the Arrowverse? Apparently. Yeah, it makes me very mad. Yeah, so there's no, like, solid info as to the how or why, but, um, you were not happy, because you were not a fan. Oh, so, um, oh, I'm gonna lose my nerd card. What's the actor's name? John Barrowman. John Barrowman. So John Barrowman's great, everyone loves John Barrowman. God, but he's amazing. It got to, and he was the villain in the first ep, uh, first season of Arrow, mm. and it's become hey John Barrowman's around, let's stick him in a show, and his character is so pointless, and he just keeps coming back and being like I'm a, I'm I'm back, and everyone's like all right, and he's like ah I'm a baddie, and he's done it nine times across <laughs> three different shows. Or yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure why same. people are surprised anymore. Yeah, because he's mean, like I'm helping you. Jokes. <laughs> I mean, seven seasons in, he rejoins the Arrow team and everyone's like ugh Malcolm's back and then they just carry on with their plan <laughs> and then he's like ha I tricked you I was a bad guy all along and everyone's like oh, Malcolm <laughs> like, and it frustrates me so much because the writers aren't trying it's like they started filming and Barrowman rocks up to the set and then they're like oh get in there you know that is 100% exactly what happened <laughs> and it drives me nuts as a real big character guy and I hate this news so much. My critic versus my fandom self is uh, at war, for sure. Because I'm like, oh, that's a bit silly, but at the same time, I'm like, oh my god, I'm back. Yeah. So, I didn't like that news. Oh, I thought they killed him last time. Like, uh, Does anyone ever uh, die in the Arrowverse? I mean, Arrowverse death is pretty permanent. Is it? I have to raise a good point. How many times has Laurel died? Not enough, in my opinion. Yeah, but we're up to clones and alternate realities. So. That's, what, that's what I mean. I like, can just keep bringing them back. Yeah. So now whenever anyone does that, I'm like, yeah, well, see you next season. Yeah. The, the Lance family in general has knocked a few deaths. <laughs> they have. And they're, they're, all, they're all going strong. <laughs> yeah, very true. 
But um, um, news? No. No mm. news for me, other than Kotaku hates most games. Yeah, well, that's not news. Everybody knows. <laughs> um, so the other bit of fun uh, <laughs> weird news this week. The trailer has come out for Detective Pikachu. Oh, I forgot about that. Now... You should have asked me that as an hour ago. I am very confused with my feelings. <laughs> on the one hand, I'm like, oh, sweet, a live-action Pokemon movie. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, sweet, Ryan Reynolds is in a Pokemon movie. And I'm like, wait, this makes no fucking sense. <laughs> it's like, there's so many... The, the core of every Pokemon story... <laughs> is so thematically good and would be so easy to make a movie of. I've played pika, pika. four or five of the Pokemon you know, main games. I didn't think I'd have to specify that, but now I've never played Detective Peach. I don't even know what it is. No, I haven't played Detective Peach. I mean, I, I, I used to be able to rattle off the first 151 by memory I could in never rap get past form. 151. <laughs> oh, yeah, the song helps. Yeah. Um, Can you do it now? No, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Come on, come on, give us a line. We can do this. Dig deep into the psyche. No, it's not. Come on, rap. I can't remember it. Uh, I'm not twelve anymore. But lame. I used to be able to. Um. So yeah, I'm having the same reaction everyone else. I'm like, it's like. I'm a, a big Ryan Reynolds fan, so I was like, yes, and I was so excited that he was. Um, but superficially, I was excited he was voicing someone until I watched it, and I'm like, I am so sexually confused. No one wanted am I a fairy now? Pikachu to have an inner monologue. So I haven't no. even thought about it. Everyone was really big on Danny DeVito voicing Pikachu. Which... I do like that that was a petition that had yeah. a lot of signatures. Like that, and that would be hilarious. Uh, I would rate it. But then you know it's a piss take movie. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like the hybrid is, live is action this, Pokemon. Well, that's the thing. Wow. Like, how can I take this seriously? Because Ryan Reynolds is hilarious. Like, he is solid and very funny. So I'm like, is he taking the piss doing this? Like, is yeah. that what this is? Because Detective Pikachu in itself sounds kind of silly and ridiculous. So is this whole thing, like, for lols? It's like. Like, what I, is happening? I've got a table in front of me, and there's a taco. Mm-hmm. And it's yummy and it looks great. It's mm-hmm. also like some sorbet mm-hmm. looks yummy and great. And here's a milkshake. Mm-hmm. It looks great. And here's a hot chick. <laughs> all these things individually are great. Let's mash them all together. And I want that. And that's Detective Pikachu. Look, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> like This sounds know, like a pretty good Saturday night to me. It's lobster stuffed with tacos. Like <laughs> It's... Uh, it's very conf- like I'm gonna see the shit out of it. Don't get me wrong, because because that's, that's the thing. It's so weird that now I'm like, well, now I have to see it because it was a, what <laughs> a stolen comment, but the best one I've seen was, I am so mad about this because there is a reality where I have to walk up to a theater and go one ticket to Detective <laughs> Pikachu, please. Why doesn't this person have friends? Because. <laughs> Is going to see Detective Pikachu? He has issues. I don't know if I'll see that in the movies. That's, I think I can't reward that nonsense. Uh, well, I'll give money to anything Ryan Reynolds is in because he's my boy. I don't know. Did you pay to go see that one with him and Sandra Bullock? I don't think you did. Well, I saw that on a plane. To be fair, yeah, so didn't pay for it. Well, so I paid for the plane. I, to yeah, like there's ten awesome things in this movie, and it's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's a little bit. Um... I mean, if it's meta and it's funny who's the audience for this is it for me (laughs) 
Is it for little kids? Is it for big kids? Yeah, and does this, this ruin any chance of the real Pokemon movie? Like, not, you know, the silly animated ones, so. but a live-action retelling of the origin, you know, Ash Ketchum style. Well, well this could equivalent. be a good test to see how does the live-action thing work, and instead of making a full-blown Pokemon movie, they're like, we'll just make this silly offshoot and see how that goes. Uh, I don't... Uh... Because, you know, then from there it can only go up. Uh, right, right. We'll see. Right, it's... but also Ryan Reynolds. But what? Yeah. So um, questions are raised, as are the stakes. And look, I'm going to see it because it's just so ridiculous. I'm like, I need to know. I may get drunk beforehand. That could be a good time. I wouldn't because <laughs> um, these live action Pokemon. Some of them are nightmare fuel. Like that is a good. They're point. not. This is not crossing over well have you seen the jigglypuff like yeah shit's terrifying and the mr mime oh yeah that was pretty crazy i'm gonna have nightmares about that shit like, i forget oh i saw it somewhere on the internet because people are just like pausing it on all the pokemon and just writing some hilarious shit i highly <laughs> recommend you go and have a look and there's some there's one who's sitting in a i can't remember which pokemon is one sitting in the bar and people are just loving him because he just looks like so sick of everyone's shit um but it's gonna be interesting that's for sure. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Detective Pikachu coming soon. Yeah. It'll be a one or a ten out of ten. We will see. Yeah, real time will tell. Is that um, a wrap today? Just about. Do you have anything coming up this week? Uh, no. 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 Well, I'm finished with the sitter now, so I'm uh, back to square one. I'm You're like, back oh. to uh, what? What's your game called? Roundabout. Yeah, I'll um. I do want to start that, so hopefully I'll have Maybe. something to say about that next week. And in exciting news, I might finish the tutorial to Red Dead Redemption. Look out! <laughs> 40 hours later. Yeah. I, I cringe to think of my hours played and I'm still in the first kind of area. Damn. So, if you've got some thoughts about Detective Pikachu, which I bet you do, please send us a tweet at goodpop underscore badpop. Also... Uh, tell us what your favourite Stan Lee moment was and if you've got any thoughts of um, Crimes of Grindelwald and say Tales of Grindelwald which would be more accurate no, barely um, send us a tweet about that as well just send us a tweet about anything and you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. and tell us who your nerd role model is I was just thinking about this I was talking with Jason Lee before I'm like yeah what TV nerd did you like Mm, good point. Yeah, tell us that too. Tell us everything. Tell us your secrets, your dreams, your hopes, what you had for lunch. I can just check your Instagram for that. That's cool. Uh, but send us a tweet. Say hello. And remember to rate, comment, subscribe, etc., etc. Thank you for joining us this week on Good Pop, Bad Pop Podcast. I'm going to